explode! There is a bomb on this bus. If we slow down, it'll blow. If anyone tries to get off, it'll explode. You're not too bright, man, but you've got some big, round, hairy cojones. Whoa. That's very gross, Ortiz. Pop quiz, hot shots. It's the Pool Scene Podcast. If we go below 50 minutes, this episode is going to explode. 50! Keep it above 50! I'm Kevin. I'm joined by my co-host, Jim, and we are both grateful and thankful to be joined by Youngstown Comedy Syndicate member, Josh Winters. What's up, guys? Josh, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you guys? Good. What do you have going on? You got anything you want to plug right up top? You can uh, see me at my daughter's soccer games. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Signing that's autographs. Right now, absolutely. Man in the merch booth. Waving. The kids are confused. So that's, right. that's how I live. Are you that empowered father where if a referee fucks over a call, you're like, hey, you asshole? <laughs> no, but I, I have You've yelled, encountered I, I've yelled at a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> so absolutely. Fair. Uh, Little he, fucker. He, uh, he, he pushed my daughter to the ground uh, and uh, he gave me a little attitude and I was like, why don't you come over here and say that to my face? <laughs> <laughs> no lie. And and my buddy I was just like, parents I, tired. <laughs> he's like, I can't deal with you. And I was like, no, go ahead. I'm like, come on over here. Yeah, you Where's bitch. your dad? We're at the uh, age of parenthood where extracurricular activities for the kids just deem to be a waste of money because you really don't know what to expect. So it's like last year we signed him up for soccer. One would go on the field and not do anything. The other one sat on the sidelines, just wouldn't not go in wouldn't wear the uniform so i was like well this was um a good waste good time yes. of money you know yes absolutely exactly. all right the three of us are going to be discussing 1994 action thriller speed directed by first-time director the dutch-born former cinematographer jan de bont de bont parlayed the success of speed into directing pool scene podcast favorite twister yeah meg ch but then he followed twister with Speed 2 Cruise Control. Hey, not everything can be a hit. His other two directing credits are 1999's The Haunting and 2003's Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Super haughty. And then you had the beautiful, vivacious, the original Lara Croft herself, Angelina Jolie. Another hottie. Yeah. And don't forget, he directed hottie Helen Hunt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. She was hot. And Bill Paxton. The film was written when screenwriter Graham Yost saw a 1985 movie called Runaway Train starring the father of Angelina Jolie, oh, John Voight. Well, not the which greatest dude. was based on some 1963 storyboards by Akira Kurosawa. He couldn't stop thinking how the movie would have been better if there was a bomb on the train. <laughs> dude was like uh, the terrorist in the making. He was like, if this movie had a bomb, it would have been so much better, which is apparently why this isn't true at all. The tornado in Twister originally was filled with bombs. <laughs> it was just a bomb, a bomb tornado. That's a sci-fi movie waiting to be made if there ever was one. The sequel. A, a bomb twister. So Yost borrowed elements from Japanese movie bullet train in 1976's film silver streak hell yeah he had started to consult with friends for ideas for his screenplay called minimum speed <laughs> yost thought there would be a negative connotation to the word minimum so the title became just speed the film was originally offered to director john mctiernan Ooh, nice 
but he thought it was too much of a Die Hard retread. He was the director of Die Hard, who we went into in the past about illegally recording people and going to prison and yeah. that sort of thing. Honestly, I think this could have been a Die Hard movie. You could totally see. John I never McClane. thought about it as a kid, but like yeah. watching it now for this episode, I'm like, this could have been a Die Hard script. You plug John McClane in for Jack. It's Jump die the bus, YPKA motherfucker, you're good to go. Also offered to direct were Pool Scene Podcast alumni Rennie Harlan and Quentin Tarantino. Rennie Harlan, did he not do Die Hard 2? I think he might have. I so that would make did. sense. Like most of these that we cover, the final product barely resembled the script. Joss Whedon was brought in and wrote about 98% of the dialogue. A throwback to our collision course episode back in season eight, Speed ran out of money before it completed <laughs> shooting. Oh no! Test audiences were literally shown storyboards in place of the subway scenes. Perfect. So they got to see like much of the movie and then the subway scenes, just drawings on a board. Like you have to use your imagination. Yeah. However, the positive reactions led to them finding the money to complete the film. Jim, tell us if finding the money to complete the film was the right choice by giving us budget versus box office and number ones in news for time of release. From WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first, this is the 10 o'clock news. It definitely made the money. Speed came out on June 10th, 1994. $30 million budget. Meager. When it comes to Hollywood films, very meager. It made $350 million. Uh, ten at times the drive-in. Pretty good. Yes. Fantastic. Speed is notorious for Kevin and I, Josh, love to go to thrift stores. We like to collect VHS. If you go to a thrift store and you don't find at least three Speed VHS tapes, it is not a good thrift store. Yeah. I have one myself. Oh, dude. I every time, <laughs> There was a short period in time where I was like, I should buy every speed tape and make a speed VHS table just out go. of speed tapes. But I do either bad. of you own speed two cruise control on VHS? No. No. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't want to remember it. Talking about a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. No, I, I was mad that I couldn't find my speed VHS to watch this. My wife thought I was crazy, but. Oh, dude, I'm you like, have to have I, it. I, I, I want to hear the. <laughs> they should have called speed two cruise control minimum speed that would have exactly. made more sense because it was a yes. slow fucking yes. boat so right now let me give you speaking of vhs your top vhs rentals at blockbuster video wayne's world 2 which is great which is great <laughs> it's so great i that said great Instead of great. Uh. <laughs> Wayne stock, everybody. You got to go to Wayne stock. Maybe how I drop my W makes perfect sense for the next movie that was number two ranked Rudy. Okay, you're, you're Woody to Wabbit, okay? When you're running, think I'm Woody to Wabbit. I'm Woody to Wabbit, okay? So you had uh. Wayne's World and Woody. And then Kevin's <laughs> favorite movie, he will not admit it so, RoboCop 3. Oh, yeah. Robert John Burke. Yes, I love it. The superintendent himself. Police officer, no loitering. There's your top three at Blockbuster. Your number one video game of 1994 when it comes to all-time sales. Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Great game. Very great game. Very ahead of its time. The graphics were amazing. And the number one selling toy for 1994. Anybody who loves toys, especially now, but as a kid, you had to have them. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I mean, did it get better than MMPR? I do not think it did. It's the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, teenage defenders of Earth. 
The Power Rangers are driven by the power of the ancient dinosaurs. Lately, evil space aliens have become a real safety hazard. Earth's only hope, the Power Rangers. Oh yeah? No one can stop us. Just let them try. Lightning okay. Morphin Power Rangers, too hot to handle. However, let's morph into the news. Sharon Stone wins a $12 million lawsuit against her jeweler. Here's a little background on this. She wore a $400,000 Harry Winston necklace while promoting her movie Sliver, while believed it was a gift and she refused to return it. She ultimately did return the necklace, but not before she filed a breach of contract suit against Winston, who settled by making a donation to Stone's favorite charity, Amphar. Wait. He let her use it for the filming. Yes. She did not want to give it back. Yep. And they had to sue each other over it. Yeah. $12 million. And it ended with him making a donation to her charity? Her favorite charity. Okay. How weird is that? Like, whatever. Also, in 1994, you guys probably never heard of something that occurred like this. Speaking of minimum speed, OJ Simpson in the white Bronco chase, yeah. the slowest pursuit in world history. While OJ was laying in the back seat, threatening to kill himself while good old Al A.C. Callings drove his Bronco to Brentwood, the world was just so enthralled with that OJ Simpson trial. So much so, I can still remember the CNN jingle about it. The trial of the century. The pog slammer with guilty on one side, not guilty on the other side. (laughs) I remember my grandmother getting so excited when OJ was found not guilty. Wait, why? I don't know why. She She was was a huge fan of Yeah, we won. It's like, what did you win? You you fucking I was in like uh, fourth or fifth grade, whatever it was. They pulled us into a classroom to watch it live. We were children. Yeah. yeah. You're like, what's a verdict? I don't know. Judge Eno's like, look at this slit throat, this Colombian necktie. Yeah, really. You're just kidding. Kids are 11 years old watching it in class. It's crazy. Kato fucking Kalen. Speaking of Kato Kalen, he appeared on the Howard Stern Show when it premiered this week in 1994 on the E! Network. A lot of fond memories of Howard Stern on E! We've talked about it on the show previously. Josh, you had to have been a big fan of the E! Show of Howard Stern. You get some of the good highlights in there, like Debbie the Queef Lady, (laughs) Will the Farter. A lot of good guys. Beetlejuice, friend of the show. Right now... Another friend of the show. Let's throw it over to Kurt Loader and MTV News. Kurt, what did we have to hear first? Hi, I'm Kurt Loader with an MTV News Brief. Kevin, fans and friends of the show, Aerosmith, become the first major band to let fans download a new track free from the internet. Whoa. In 1994. Took you 17 days to download. (laughs) Exactly. Mom, don't pick up the phone. Tell Aunt Esther to call in three days. I can't let this get interrupted because I need to hear Living on the Edge. Was that the song? No, I do not. Okay. I did not specify the song. Was but that would be on Bobo. That was too, too early. Because <laughs> it would be 94, so I believe that would be right around the time of Get uh, a Grip. Which laid the groundwork for you two forcibly putting their music oh, on your phone. God, yes, it did. The precursor. And this was probably the trigger that made Lars Ulrich start hating everybody who wanted shit for free. Probably. And we talked about Zone what kind it. Of, Yeah. We talked about what kind of a nut he was when we did a swim meet series on Metallica. George, what's up? Good evening everybody. I'm George Michael and welcome to the Sports Machine. 
Indiana shooting guard Reggie Miller drills an NBA playoff record five three-pointers in the fourth quarter of the Wait. Pacers' 93-86 win over the New York the Knicks. The record was five three-pointers total or five in the fourth quarter? Five in the fourth quarter. Okay, that still is like meager compared to what they're currently doing, I think. Exactly, but what's crazy about that game was he did it in like 19 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, well, they yes. Back, they were back to back to back. Yeah, I remember. That was crazy. Like literally stolen from the pass-in, three-pointer. That was a crazy scene. The Pacers were one of those teams that should have probably got an NBA title after Jordan retired, but it did not happen. A person that never won a title after all, Tanya Harding is banned from competition for life. Well, she got a great Why's movie that? based on her. <laughs> yeah, I did. You know what? I, Tanya, not a bad movie. Pretty good. I, Margot Robbie did a damn good job. Jeff Galuli? Yeah, you got Galulied. How <laughs> How would you feel knowing that your name became a fucking verb? Yeah. Okay. The number one movie in America was not that great of one. I remember watching it once, but I remember having the glass mugs from McDonald's, The Flintstones, starring yeah. John Goodman and Rosie O'Donnell. Those movies were real bad, and I <sighs> notice I say movies. They made more than one of them. They did. Because they made Viva Rock, Rock Vegas. Vegas. That's Man. it. However, one band who had the number one song, and Kevin and I love to watch the music video of these chuds, especially from about two years ago, all for one with I Swear. Nice. And I swear by the moon and the stars and the stars. Great, great musical talent, but oh my God, they I, had a face for radio. My theory will always be they were all rejects from other boy bands had to have been. so it was like these guys can really belt yeah but they look like this we're gonna form like a group of leftovers all for one all for one <laughs> hell they're the like the preeminent wedding song oh my god you've oh, played it probably every wedding you've ever DJed. just about every wedding jesus christ can you play i swear i bet you haven't heard that in a long time but no. the john Mon john michael montgomery version if somebody asked me to play that i'd be like get fucked here's your deposit back we're out of here and that's all that was going on in and around June 10th, 1994. So Tanya Harding was, uh, wasn't she really good at celebrity boxing? She was. She was trying to get some of that income money in because she wasn't getting anything at all. Yeah. Well, this movie was released, thankfully, one week before and not one week after the O.J. Simpson low-speed white Bronco chase because I think that may have had a bearing against, <laughs> against the, you know, the, the box office. It made 10 times its budget. Let's speed into the plot. Excuse me, are you out of your mind? Whatever it takes. Hello? Everybody, I'm Jack Trabin, LAPD. We have a slight situation on the bus here. Ma'am, if you'll please sit down no, and deal I with this. No, I won't sit in. You're scaring the shit out of these people. Ma'am, please. Our film opened in a Los Angeles building like a skyscraper. Yep. A bomber is going to blow up a crowded elevator unless the LAPD turns over a $3 million ransom. SWAT officers Jack Traven and Harry Temple playing Harry again. I know. He's he not the dumb and Harry. dumber Harry. No. What do you think? You're the expert. I just work here. Looks pretty solid. Anyone we know? I don't recognize the work, but he's a pro. Oh, he's gotten it close. I don't like it. What's to like? Max said we hold, so we hold. They find the suspect, they corner him, but the suspect, I guess he'd be, takes Harry hostage. Jack shoots Harry in the leg so that the bomber cannot bring him as a hostage. It was his suggestion. They just talked about it like yeah. 30 seconds prior. The bomber flees. There's a big explosion. The expectation is that the bomber has perished. He blew himself up. Yes. Jack and Harry receive some medals for bravery by their lieutenant, Mac. 
Harry, after being shot, is promoted to detective. However, we see that the bomber has watched the entire medal ceremony from an unknown location. So good. The next morning, as Jack walks out of the coffee shop, he forgot his bagels or whatever. He comes back out. A bus driving past explodes. There was only a bus driver inside, but a payphone rings. And when Jack answers, the bomber tells Jack the rules of the next game. When I find you. Pop quiz, hotshot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? I'd want to know what bus it was. A bomb is rigged to a similar city bus. One, once the bus reaches a speed of 50 miles per hour, the bomb will activate. If the bus goes below 50 miles per hour, once activated, it will detonate. He wants not $3 million this time, $3.7 million. Inflation. Inflation, yeah. 0.7 million over a day inflation. The bus will also explode if anyone tries to get off. Get off the bus, not. Yeah, it doesn't come. <laughs> not you, Jack. Do, you don't know about those LA buses. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> By the time Jack tracks down and boards the bus, it's already reached 50 miles per hour. Jack explains this to the driver, Sam, but a criminal on the bus thinks Jack is there to arrest him. He pulls a gun. There's a melee. The driver, Sam, is accidentally <laughs> shot. I don't know you, man. One of the passengers named Annie has to take Sam's place driving. Jack upsets everyone on the bus when he tells the truth of what's going on, that there's a bomb on the bus. The police are able to clear a path for the bus to reach a clear, unopened freeway. I love those. Yeah. I love clear, unopened freeways <laughs> that are just under construction. They're the best. The police also show up with a flatbed trailer to start transporting the passengers. The bomber sees this on TV. See, there's helicopter news crews flying all over, and that's how the bomber is watching all of this. He calls Jack to remind him of the terms. Jack negotiates to allow Sam to get off the bus to receive treatment for the gunshot. This traumatized passenger named Helen Oh. And like the police are egging her on. They're telling her like, come on, take my hand. She was so non-compliant. I was happy when the fucking bomb went off. Yes. So we all were. Fuck it's, Helen. So when Helen tries to, to get off the bus. Come on, lady, give me your hand. I have to, Annie. No, Helen. No, Helen, no. Come on, right there. Helen, no, no. Oh, Choppers out of here. Another bomb detonates, a, a small bomb rigged to the door. It blows the steps off. She dead. As they continue to travel, they learn that the freeway isn't finished. Oh no. There's a gap which they accelerate and jump. <laughs> Don't ask me how. Why not? They survive. They head to the Los Angeles International Airport. Well, they will drive in circles until they come up with a plan. Will this deja vu ever end? Never. Meanwhile, Harry has learned the identity of the bomber as Howard Payne, a former Atlanta bomb squad officer who got screwed out of his pension. Howard Payne, Atlanta PD bomb squad. Retired in Sun Valley in 1989 when a small charge left him with fingers numbering nine. That's our scumbag! Yep. We got him, Jack. We found him. 
we can get to his place inside of 15 minutes. Great. Jack, I want you to get out of there and sit tight. We're going to go after the source. Harry arrives with a SWAT team to Payne's address, but Payne anticipates that they'd show up. The house was rigged. It kills Harry and the SWAT team. <sighs> that sucks. It really sucks. Jack, after losing hope, decides he's going to try and defuse the bomb from under the bus. He stabs the gas tank. It, well, it's either he stabs the gas tank or he gets rolled over. Yes, it's basically become a human pancake or put a knife in the gas tank. When Jack gets back inside, he realizes Payne has been watching them the entire time through bus surveillance. Arizona Wildcat. <laughs> They use a local news crew. I still don't understand how this works, but they use a local news crew to record. And I went to school for this. Yeah. They use the local news crew to record <laughs> surveillance in a loop to full pain. So somehow the local news crew takes the bus surveillance. They loop the footage. They're able to tie into and it. And then they broadcast it from the bus. <sighs> I don't know how. This buys them enough time to offload passengers onto another airport bus. Jack and Annie escape through the access panel, but then the bus collides with a cargo plane, causing a giant expensive explosion. And you think the movie's going to end there? Yes. Wait, there's you, more. Exactly, that's exactly what I've written down. <laughs> You'd think this was the end, but no, there's more. Jack and Mac realize that Payne doesn't know they were able to exit. They go to the money drop-off location. Payne realizes he's been duped because there's like a glitch in the looped footage. In the Matrix. The LAPD are waiting for him. He kidnaps Annie after collecting the ransom from a tunnel. So they drop the money in a trash can, but when Jack knocks the trash can there's over... There's a hole. There's a hole. We have our final showdown on a metro subway where, you guessed it, a bomb has been rigged. Payne opens the ransom money and a die pack explodes. Then Jack beheads him on top of the subway via <laughs> yep. railway signal. Yeah. <laughs> Jack takes the bomb off Annie, but he can't free her. She's like handcuffed to a pole and they can't stop the train. Jack, however, pushes the train to maximum speed, causing it to derail and launch onto Hollywood Boulevard. Our movie ends with Jack and Annie sharing a kiss. I have to warn you, I've heard relationships based on intense experiences never work. Okay. We'll have to base it on sex then. Whatever you say, ma'am. <laughs> Let's talk about characters. Before I get into characters, let me tell you, the studio did not think Keanu had enough star power to lead the film to financial success. Oh, fuck off. If DeBont wanted Keanu... They insisted that a high-profile actress be cast to pair with him. Jan DeBont fought to defend his Sandra Bullock selection right up until two weeks before filming started. Up until two weeks before filming, they wanted her out. That's crazy. So we have Keanu Reeves as Officer Jack Traven. First choice, Stephen Baldwin. Oh, God. Ew. That's like a direct-to-TV <laughs> yes. movie. Right? Stephen oh. Baldwin. Not even Alec. Steven. They were Steven. worried about Keanu's star right. power, and then they were At like... At least Keanu had... What was he coming off of this? Point Break three years yeah. before this? God. Also considered, it's the usual suspects, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Tim Wesley Robbins. Snipes, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> and then Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson, who were both considered, went on to do Money Train a year later, which okay. is a similar movie. Yes, it is. Sort of. They're on a train. Dennis Hopper is Howard. Payne, also considered Jack Nicholson, Robert De Niro. Sandra Bullock is Annie Porter, originally written with Halle Berry in mind. Okay. As the character was rewritten, this pisses me off so bad. Oh, no. Peter Cetera, a.k.a. Ellen DeGeneres, was considered. What? <laughs> wow. When Ellen was considered, it would have been a cross from Jeff Bridges as Jack. Oh. Jeff Bridges Ellen DeGeneres. Okay, I get Ellen was super popular with her TV show, but not in an action role. She's yeah. not an action actress. The last resort that it was offered to before 
they settled on Sandra Bullock. Meryl Streep, Kim Basinger. What kind of a deep fucking movie is this? You would have had Stephen Baldwin and Meryl Streep? Yeah, exactly. What? It's so weird. How can you explain that she went to the Arizona to be an Arizona Wildcat? You're 55. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Joe Morton is Lieutenant Herb Mac McMahon. This was offered to our boy, Craig T. Nelson. Coach. <laughs> but he was too busy filming. Coach. <laughs> What about Dauber? <laughs> yes, Dauber, Dauber was the Sam the bus driver. Hey, coach. <laughs> I don't think you can get off the bus. Jeff Daniels is Detective Harry Temple. Alan Ruck is Doug Stevens. Oh, great. Glenn Alan Plummer Ruck. is Maurice. Beth Grant is Helen. She's in all kinds of stuff. Hawthorne James as Sam Silver. Hawthorne James? Hawthorne James. Carlos Carrasco, not to be confused with baseball. Former Indians pitcher. Ortiz. Patrick Fischler's on the elevator at the beginning of the movie, billed as friend of executive. There are a lot of actors in this movie that you've seen them from seven different things. A lot of overlap. All right, so quickly, which actor or actress gives a passport performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? Josh. Quite honestly, for me, it was Joe Morton. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, Just uh, the scene where they figure out that there's a gap in the room. Yeah. You sure? Well, how far? Sir, uh, we have a serious problem. What? This freeway isn't finished. What are you talking about? The aerial unit got it about three miles ahead. There's a section missing. Section missing. But it's on the map. It's finished on the goddamn map. I guess they fell behind. Fuck. You're fired. Everybody's fucking fired. And it's, he's like, how big? It's big. Like 50 feet. He's like, you're fired. You're all it's fucking fired. Yeah, like just he understood the assignment. Exactly. A hundred percent. He knew what he was in for and he nailed it. He plays a great like he's, police he's lead. He's the guy that dies in Terminator 2 under the desk too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. And he does the <laughs> like the whole convulsing yes, thing. Yeah. I love it. Oh, he was Dyson. Yeah. That's Dyson. right. He was Dyson. Yeah. The fucking Skynet guy. Yeah, that Fuck that guy. Yeah. All right. So mine. Great. It's Skynet. Didn't know about the gap in the road. Yeah. Three miles. <laughs> it's big. Yeah. So I'm going to do mine a little bit differently. Kevin, Josh, I'm going to give you guys my profile and courage. Whoa. I thought you were going to rank the members on the bus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ortiz, number one. Last, Helen. Good riddance, you bitch. All right, here we go. Profile and courage. My favorite lead, Harry Temple. He was an LAPD officer that was a firearms and demolitions expert with the bomb squad. His efforts led to multiple arrests and many lives saved. His work exclusively with his partner, Officer Jack Traven, pushed Harry even farther to be honored by the city of Los Angeles in saving hostages by the mad bomber himself, Howard Payne. His service will be remembered and his accolades honored. Mr. Harry Were you in Temple. a deleted scene where you read his, <laughs> you wrote his obituary? Or I wanted to do something Read different. that at his funeral. Found it on YouTube. Yes. yes. I have uh, Alan Ruck. Yeah. Just because he's a tourist. First time in LA. <laughs> oh no, I live here. No, I mean mine. Oh, that's just funny. You heard me wrong. No, I'm sightseeing. Oh, really? Yeah. I hate to use the word tourist, but it's not like I can hide it. Not really. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know, it took me three hours just to get here from the airport. I got so lost. L.A. is one large place. Of course, you live here, you probably don't notice. I'm such a yokel. Jeez. There, I said it. <laughs> you know what? I... 
I got gum on my seat. Gum. He just came from the airport and he's very excited to tell everyone that he's a tourist. He's a great annoying foil. Yeah. Yeah. But you also loved him as Cameron Fry when we did Ferris Bueller. He's amazing in succession. I've he's never seen it. He's one of the best characters on succession. He's really good. Yeah, I, I really like Alan Ruck. So it's just funny because at some point he's like excited to be in L.A. And then he throws the talent. Yeah. And I love when Annie, she's just being annoyed. Noise like, look, I got gum on my gum. Gum. That was improvised. Really? Yeah. In the, the script just called for her to get up and move to another yeah. seat. But she thought it was necessary to like make an excuse. Let's find out which scenes made a splash best or favorite scenes our guest josh give us your favorite or best scene the elevator shaft at the beginning yes uh where they they start with a pop quiz <laughs> just it shows the dynamic of harry and jack jack being the immature one yes harry being the seasoned veteran oh yeah uh, they're so they're so nonchalant and like comedic about this absolutely. very serious situation yep. do you watch slow oh, no no he jumped the gun we had three minutes left why does he do that he's losing his three million I don't know, maybe couldn't hold his wad long enough. It's a common problem among middle-aged men, so I'm told. But it shows they've been there before, yes. they've done it, and then when Jack is like, shoot the hostage, Harry's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what? So that actually, about the that's equation. A, a spinoff, that was my, the first one I wrote down, shoot the hostage. Harry, he poses this hypothetical situation to Jack about what to do in a hostage situation. All right, pop quiz airport gunman with one hostage he's using her for cover he's almost to a plane you're a hundred feet away jack shoot the hostage what take her out of the equation go for the good wound and he can't get to the plane with her clear shot you're deeply nuts you know that shoot the hostage <laughs> Jack implies you shoot the hostage because then the, you know, the assailant cannot carry you if you've got a bum leg or whatever. Plus they're going to be shot out of the equation. Yeah. yeah plus yeah. they'll be shocked that you did that. So this is a Chekhov's gun, but usually with the Chekhov's gun, you introduce it early and then it comes into play late. They introduce it and then it's like not even five minutes later, they talk about what to do in this situation. And then Jack shoots Harry. Shoot the hostage. <laughs> Say goodbye, Harry. You fuck. Yeah, it works as planned. They, they reference literally, it, though, throughout yeah. the movie. Yes, they do reference it, yeah. Sam gets shot. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's like, Jack, don't tell me you've been shooting passengers. Yeah. Look, you got to let me have one. Now, we went over the rules. As an act of faith, we have an injured man here. The driver's been shot. <laughs> Jack, now tell me that you haven't been shooting the passengers. I thought it was customary for a police officer to, you know, shoot the bad guys, huh? So my first one is after Harry and Jack save the hostages, they have this like big get together. I want to say thrown by the department. It looks like at a hotel bar. Oh, yeah. Harry is three sheets to the wind. Yes. <laughs> and he's just commiserating with Jack at the bar and they just have this heart to heart moment. We are the two luckiest guys in the world. You know what? We got the bad guy and we didn't lose any civilians. Yeah, That's we're right. good. No, you were lucky. No, we were lucky. You better understand it. We were dealing with a total psycho. This guy could have blown us up at any time. And I got a bullet in me. Six inches off the mark, and they're giving the medal to my wife. Harry, come on, man. I mean, we won. We got him. Do you listen 
Do you ever, because I am not gonna be around to back you up, so you better start thinking. Guts will get you so far and then they'll get you killed. Luck runs out sooner or later. Right, Chief? That's right. I'm gonna go home, have some sex. Harry, <laughs> you're gonna go home and puke. Yeah, well, that'll be fun too. They just have this bonding moment. Even Mac's wife, I think, is drunk off her ass. At one point, you're like, are they all gonna have sex with each other? That didn't happen. Well, yeah, so. Which would have been there's a great scene. There's a great line, though, where Harry says, I'm gonna go home and have sex. Yeah. And what's he say? Like, you can't he get goes, it up or somebody well, goes, no, well, he goes, you're gonna go home and puke. And he, and he says, that'll be fun, too. <laughs> the passenger relay for the bomb. Passenger relay. Sir, take this. I want you to tell him what I see. Okay, we got a wad, pretty big. There's a pretty big wad. Brass fittings? Brass fittings. I think I can reach the circuit wire. He can reach the circuit wire. No, 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 don't, 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 that's a, that's a decoy, classic. That's your classic decoy. What else? What else? Hold on. Hold on. Fuck me. Oh darn. Yes. Where he's checking it out. And Alan Ruck was uh, my other uh, <laughs> actor that I was like, yes, his, uh, I loved him being, you know, the tourist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's relaying. He's like, it's a big wad, blah, blah. And then oh, Connor so goes, funny. fuck me. And he goes, oh, darn. Oh, darn. Like, <laughs> that just it. brief levity was just. It was great. really good. Yeah. Even rewatching it. It's yeah. really funny. I will say Jack commandeering the convertible to catch up with the bus. <laughs> oh, that's what I had too. To tell them there's a bomb on it. LAPD! There's a bomb on your bus! There's a bomb on your bus! There's a what? Fuck! There's a bomb on your bus! Watch the road! <laughs> right. Grab that wheelie, I want you to ride on it. I want you to ride on the back, bomb on bus. He has to get to this city bus. Ideally, before it gets up to 50 miles per hour, he jumps. He basically he's trying to stop cars and no one stops because it's a movie. And he gets in this guy's convertible at gunpoint. The guy's like, don't mess up my car. Like, whatever you do, don't mess up my car. And Jack has to kind of like whip in and out of traffic, catch up with the bus. They pull up next to the bus. They think he's insane. But somehow the guy perfectly writes bomb on bus. Yeah. On a note in like a hundred mile per hour car, whatever it is. With a convertible. With a convertible. <laughs> and then when he lets it go, it sticks perfectly in front of Sam's face Sam to say bomb on bus. Down. No, 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 no. Don't slow down. Jack jumps on the bus to where he will spend the majority of the movie. <laughs> but even before that, he looks at the guy and goes, Are you insured? Yeah, why? No, no! Ah! Broke my, my door. Sir, I need to take your phone. Take the phone. And he just proceeds to lose it. And then when he jumps on the bus and he basically sticks the guy with driving, he goes into that embankment. It's full of water yeah. barrels. Yeah. Fucking hilarious. Yeah. It's like the runaway truck ramp. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> so my next one is, of course, the iconic jumping the bus scene. Yes. Everybody hold on to your seats or whatever you can. When we hit the gap, heads down. That's it? That's it? 
it's all we can do. We've talked about it, Mac relaying everything about the gap, and then Jack has to explain to everybody that they have to jump the bus. And of course, all the passengers think he's fucking just off of his rocker. Logistically, it should be virtually impossible for a bus <laughs> that size going at that slow speed to even make when, a gap. When you watch it, it makes no sense. Because it, it, it goes up. up. Yeah. <laughs> the front end yep. of the bus is going vertical. I have a feeling we're going to be talking 30 minutes on the logic of that scene alone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's iconic, yes. <laughs> is everybody okay? On a commentary track on the Region 1 DVD, DeBont says that the bus jump stunt did not go as planned. You think? So, but that was just with the filming part of it. To do the jump, they had to remove like everything, all the seats, everything in the interior. They had to make the bus as light as possible. On the first try, the stunt driver missed the ramp and crashed the bus. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) I don't know who they hired to do the stunt. He missed the ramp. That's great. Pretty bad. They they did not report that to the studio because they were like, "Eh, it's bad, bad look. A second bus was prepared and two days later, a second attempt was successful. But again, things did not go as intended they advised that the bus would only go 20 feet they did the math they brought an engineer and said whatever and they're like the bus will go 20 feet the director placed one of multiple cameras in a position that was supposed to capture the bus landing however bus went a whole lot further than 20 feet and then basically it crashes down on top of the camera that they had <laughs> located oops and destroyed it that's probably a hundred thousand dollars luckily another camera 90 feet away recorded the bus jump Actually, there was one jump, too, that was recorded before that where the bus landed smoothly. So they were kind of like the bus can't jump and then kind of just land smooth and keep going. Yeah, it's got to look like turbulent. God almighty. So, yeah, they they had big dreams for the scene, but then it didn't really work as as they wanted. One of my favorites uh, is just from watching it, you know, at a younger age is the top of the subway fight. What do you do, Jack? What do you do? You're so smart, right, Jack? Shit. I'm the guy with the plan, because I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than you. Yeah. Well, I'm taller. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) They're wrestling around, and he's like, you know, Jack, I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter. And he... Pushes his head up, head comes off, and he goes, yeah, but I'm taller. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) But see, that levels the playing field because all the combat, in quotes in this movie, is psychological. You know, everything is mostly like head games and stuff. But when Jack gets a chance to physically fight this guy. Get his hands on him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's awesome. It's a nice payoff. Like, okay, this guy's a, a, you know, bomber shithead. Let's take his head off throughout the movie when Howard is in communicado with Jack he brings up passively throws it away hey tell that wildcat yeah, behind yes to you know watch where she's driving and pay attention okay son you can try and unload the driver you tell that wildcat behind the wheel not to slow down though and he mentions it a couple times he keeps throwing wildcat and then when they're circling around the airport notices that the sweater Annie's wearing has the logo of the Arizona Wildcats. And that's when he's like, You go to the University of Arizona? Yeah, so? Good football team. Yeah, I guess so. I don't really know. Arizona Wildcats. Right? He can see. What? 
He can see you. Arizona Wildcats. And he realized, good football team. Good football team. He can see you. Yeah. And then it dawns on him that the CCTV hidden behind the mirror is a direct feed. And that's where he's getting What, what an amazing payoff, right? Exactly. They just mentioned, he mentions Wildcat a couple times. And it's not all that. It doesn't, it's not no, weird. It's, it's a not throwaway. Like not tell that horned frog behind yeah. the wheel. It's not like. Exactly. You know, it's just, it's Wildcat. It's a loose enough term. And then the payoff that Jack realizes, again, I don't know how they pulled off the uh, looped footage, but. But it's so great because then he just says, everybody look forward. There's a camera. Then he gets off the bus to talk to Mac to figure out what the hell they got to do. It's great. Anyone have any scenes that they still want to mention? Anything left in your notes before we move on? No, I'm good. All right. Well, after the events of this film, something you may want to do is just take a nice dip in a swimming pool. It's Los Angeles. Exactly. It's hot. A lot of smog. It's time for a pool check. All right. I love this concept for this pool check. It's going to be a fun one. Yes. So speed takes place primarily on a bus. So we are going to do best or favorite movies that take place primarily in or on a moving vehicle. (laughs) Yes. So who wants, uh, Josh, why don't you go first? You're our guest. I'm going to go with one of my favorite comedies, Airplane. Yeah. Yes. Airplane. What's the vector, Victor? (laughs) A parody comedy, fantastic. There's a bunch of cameos. Zucker Brothers, man. So good. Really good. My first one, my number five, I'm going to go with a movie that we covered all the way back is our season five premiere takes place a lot of it on a bike. It's rad. Yeah, by far. I mean, come on here. They're not going to let crew race hell track. Ah, that's bullshit. They even dance on bikes. Exactly. The bicycle (laughs) boogie. They do everything on bikes. I'm surprised they didn't have sex on bikes. Even ass sliding as a vehicle. Rad at number five. Okay. I have Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. The 2004 Wes Anderson movie takes place mostly on a research vessel at sea. Okay. Got a Portuguese guy singing David Bowie songs. You've got Willem Dafoe and Bill Murray. Josh, number four. My um, Air Force One. Oh, yes. Air Force One. Absolutely. Get Get off off my plane. (laughs) Talk about, I think Harrison Ford is a very underrated actor who played the president of the United States. He's like an underrated actor and a real kooky guy. Because he, he just like smokes a lot of weed, gets a hoop earring. Yeah. Like that, he he crashes his airplanes all the time. He's got to be in his 80s now, right? If not, so. he's approaching Still it. wears that hoop earring, which I which was... Is, but he just got that like recently. Really? Not, yeah. I thought he's always had it since He's had an earring for a long time. Okay. Maybe wow. the hoop is new. Yeah, yeah maybe. That's true. Because I remember seeing him on like Leno or something. And I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Han I Solo just... Solo shouldn't have any. Yeah. No. So my number four... Rito of, pierced first. <laughs> <laughs> my number four of course is back to the future I mean, oh okay. it's the delorean there you go funny thing is though and we've brought it up in the past on the show initially wasn't going to be a delorean it was storyboarded as a 1950s refrigerator yeah. and in order for them to go back to the future or into the past whatever they had have a refrigerator near a detonation of a nuclear bomb interesting different type of movie that would have been but <laughs> god damn was that ingenious to bring on a delorean would not have let you have it if it would have been a refrigerator no not a vehicle no it's not a vehicle my next one event horizon oh one of the scariest nice. damn movies of all time 1997 sci-fi horror movie takes place aboard a missing spaceship called event horizon yes so that one takes place primarily on spacecraft that's another movie i think would be fun to cover on a podcast like a halloween episode too spoopy 
Oh, it's great. Makes me go poopy. Josh, <laughs> speaking of poopy. Well, I'm going to go a little lighter than that. Little Miss Sunshine. Okay. Crow, nice. Uh, Greg Kinnear. Uh, Alan Arkin. Yes. Paul Dano. In that film. It's a really good one. Yeah. Great one. My next one, we're going below the sea. And it's not Sequest. I'm doing The Hunt for Red October. Okay which is probably my favorite Tom Clancy type movies of the Jack Ryan variety. Such a good one. I watched it twice within one week with my dad. It's so damn good. Alec Baldwin, amazing as Jack Ryan. And of course, everybody's favorite Russian actor, Sean Connery. Mm. <laughs> Come on. Of course. I'm going uh, spacecrafts back to back. Spaceballs. Nice. 1987 Mel Brooks comedy. Spaceball one. Follows the adventures of Lone Star and Barf as they travel aboard their Winnebago spaceship. Either of you remember the name of that? Yes. What is it? What? Spaceball one. No, it's the Eagle five. Really? Wait, are we talking about Lone Stars? Yeah. Oh, I was talking about Dark Helmet. Yeah, no. Lone Star and Barf's Winnebago is called the Eagle Eagle five. Five. Did not know that. Never knew that either. Had to uh, pull it when I was doing research. All right. (laughs) So, Josh, tell us when you pulled your Eagle 5. <laughs> well, I was 13. Oh, no, sorry. My next one, you got to put down the bunny, Conair. Oh, yeah. yes. Absolutely. God damn, Nicholas Cage. <laughs> you got horrible accent. Such a ridiculous premise for a horrible movie. Horrible accent. You have it's to crazy. watch Conair and then watch The Rock. It's the best. Well, no, throw face off in there, too. It's the Cage Amazing. triple feature. Absolutely. God damn. Wait till we cover those on the podcast. My second one, staying slightly above the water. Water, not the double VHS that is Titanic. We're going with the 1976 Poseidon Adventure. Okay. With Gene Hackman, Hackman. playing a priest, <laughs> which he's a very handsy priest. So I guess that's accurate. Excellent movie. Super underrated. Fucking Ernest Borgnine. Shelly Winters. You get a Shelly Winters upskirt shot in that, which is weird. I, I but to, Gene Hackman uh, loved it. I was at a restaurant in Chicago when I was 18 years old and I saw Shelly Winters was there. They stopped me at the door and didn't want me to come in because I wasn't dressed up enough. Excuse me. Shelly Winters is eating a fucking <laughs> yeah, dish basically. pizza right now. Okay. Right. They were like, uh, so they gave me a jacket that they just had there and they made me wear like a suit jacket over my t-shirt first off like, i need to know what, what was this restaurant it was, it was like, michael jordan's restaurant called nine so you had to be dressed up for michael jordan's restaurant yeah. it was like my steak was like 200 dollars. oh okay but yeah, I, I didn't pay for it oh, so. I was gonna say, i'd never been anywhere i was like fuck shelly winners i don't know who that is because i'm 18 <laughs> uh my next movie pirate radio nice excellent movie also known as the boat that rocked Yes. Which is how much better of a title is that? We covered that movie in college. Yeah. The, in our radio class. The both that rocked such a better title. 2009 Richard Curtis joint about a pirate radio station in the 60s broadcasting from a ship in the North Sea. Based the, on a true story. While the government tries to shut him down. Yeah. It's kind of an amalgamation yeah. of a bunch of stories yeah. to make the movie awesome. Watch the movie. A shout out to my wife. Uh, uh, Titanic. Yeah. Uh, she loves that movie. Draw did me she like ever, one of your French girls. Did I she saw, ever draw you? She as one of her French girls. Yes. yes, which of Absolutely. course takes place entirely on what is that a closet door <laughs> at the I, end? Uh, yeah, at the end. Oh yeah, 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 floating yeah. on a closet door or whatever. Rose it is, or a, a headboard. I, I what is it? I don't give a fuck what they say. Rose was an accomplice to murder because there was enough fucking room on that plank to bring Jack up. Absolutely, just saying she's a piece of shit. <laughs> All right, yeah, she just wanted to steal the diamond and fuck them both. So that she was, was like, I can't be with Jack forever. I mean, look at him; he has no fucking right? money. It's he fun. Has no future. It's fun for a weekend, but yeah. come on, it was yeah. a great one night stand in second class. She looked, she, she she looked got both ways back. and dunked his head under the water. <laughs> she got a groove back, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She got away from Cal. Yeah, she had a fling. Yeah. 
It was the We're, perfect I think out. we might need to cover Titanic to talk about what a bitch froze was. <laughs> she was. She was a scumbag. It was 84 years since I've had something inside of me. Speaking of Bill Paxton. So my number one. Number one. Goddamn Smokey and the Bandit, baby. Let's do it. Burt Reynolds going eastbound and down, loaded up and truck it. Doesn't get any better than trying to bootleg 400 cases of cores across state line, which is apparently still illegal. Yeah. Because I asked somebody online, can you give me some of that Razor Ramon beer that's in Texas, they're like, no, that's bootlegging. I'm like, that still exists. <laughs> yes. Can I hire a truck driver no, to there get are, me it? There are beer groups that you can join on social media yeah. where they'll smuggle, you know, for you. But no, you, you literally cannot do it. That'd be fun. I'd like to be a part of a bootlegging smuggling group. Yeah, but cool. you don't want to go to jail. For I don't want to go to jail. But hey, what are I you got... in for? Yeah. I uh, brought some Coors Light <laughs> yeah. to some, some guys Coors. in Indiana. They sell it a giant eagle, but <laughs> you get a beer that you could get literally right down the road. Yeah. Hit that sounder for me, Jim. Number one. Over the top. Yes, the truck. So Lincoln, Hawk, or Hawks, depending on which scene you watch, a truck driver who fights custody over his son, Mike Hawk, (laughs) with Grandpa Robert Loja after the mom dies, which we don't know anything about that. We don't know what the fuck Lincoln Hawk did. A lot of the movie takes place in a brute cologne truck. They do. (laughs) Like weightlifting equipment in there. And we mentioned it when we did The Wizard all the way back in season one, that the Hawk hauling truck was also used when Spanky drove that same truck in The Wizard. Yeah, so. That truck alone has a lot of Hollywood lineage to it. Okay, let's mention some honorable mentions. Speed 2, Cruise Control. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Hotel Transylvania 3 takes place on a monster cruise ship. That's right. Every Star Trek movie. Star Wars. Nice. <laughs> I didn't go for those. <laughs> Just like Armageddon. Oh space my shuttle. Nice, yeah. A lot of movies on a space shuttle. Freedom and Independence. Snakes on a Plane. Yep. Top Gun. Oh yeah. Iron Eagle. Yeah, Iron Eagle 2, 3, 4. Alien. Aliens. I don't know if you guys will let me have it. Pixar's Cars. They are cars. They are, yeah, they literally so are. It's like, they are the movie vehicle. <laughs> Days of Thunder. There you go. Train to Busan, good zombie movie. Source Code. Silver Streak. Murder on the Orient Express. Snowpiercer. We said Armageddon. Master and Commander. Waterworld. Huh. Deep Blue Sea. <sighs> the Abyss. Yep. Polar Express. Pretty much you can like, <laughs> you can do a trivia thing where it's like, okay, what movies take place on trains? Go. What movies yeah. take place on airplanes? Go. Space shuttles. This space is super ships, general. Skateboards, bicycles, you know. Yeah. So that was fun. I liked it. With that said, let's get back in the pool. Everybody get in the pool before it explodes. Here we go. All right. We can't take me anywhere. Here we are. And here... Just to Harry, for his quick thinking, <laughs> for his grace under pressure, and for his brave and selfless act. And to Jack, for shooting Harry. <laughs> Something we've all wanted to do for a very long time. <laughs> okay, no, no, here it is, here it is. Here's to you guys for doing your job. And for not getting dead. Muzzle time. Muzzle time. All right. Critical question. In the last few years, Keanu and Sandra Bullock, they're not Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, he's not Keanu Bullock, <laughs> have remained open to doing Speed 3. I would imagine they'd call it Speed or SP3ED or The Speed. 
because they would not want to acknowledge the second movie. No. So they'd probably just call it Speed because my brain is broken when it comes to naming sequels. Like yeah. Fast and Furious and The Fast and the Furious. And then there would just be F9, Fast 5, Scream Furious five. 6. Scream 5 is actually just called Scream. Scream. But the first one's Scream. Yeah. It makes no sense. So rumor has it that the working title has been Maximum Speed. Ah, oh, Christ. With that said, my critical question this week is what would be your plot of Speed 3? Oh, you guys can jump in or I'll go first. Doesn't matter to you me. Go, you go yeah. first. Okay, so my first response would be to say a terrorist hijacks the first day of operation of a new high-speed bullet train. But I think I'm out because that's kind of just the same movie. Yeah. Again, so people would probably criticize it as a Die Hard 3 knockoff, but what if a terrorist tells Jack that there's bombs in a bunch of locations and he only has X amount of time to get to all of them? Hence, the speed comes from him traveling between bombs. The last one would be on a commercial flight, and I really like this idea as a nod to the second movie because they don't have to acknowledge that the second movie exists, but a nod to it. Jason Patrick's the bomber. Well, that too. (laughs) They have to make an emergency landing. They absolutely tear the shit out of one of those private islands owned by a cruise line okay so you see like the island burning the plane burning jack you know laying there yeah. recovering and in the background there's just a cruise ship like docked that'd be perfect and then they have to transport all the survivors of the commercial flight onto the cruise ship credits roll as the cruise ship pulls away i think you need to have jason patrick in that movie somehow just is either, he's the captain of the fucking ship what's his name in speed to like cold danner i have no I, idea what his know. name is horrible but you need to have jason patrick in it he could be working at the uh, fast food place at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe saw Speed 2 when it first came I out. Saw it once. Oh, that's it. We talked about this for the longest time that we were never going to cover this movie. We were just going to cover Speed 2. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me on for this yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know what they would do with Speed 3 that wouldn't feel like like another Die Hard knockoff or a rehash of the first movie. It's been done, yeah. How about Keanu, Jack Traven, has to film a bunch of TikTok dances. There you uh, go. And he has <laughs> a certain amount explode. of time. And if he doesn't get them all down uh, in a specific amount of time, a school bus explodes. <laughs> Because those, <laughs> those dances are short. That's horrible. So there's I, the speed. When I was DJing near the end, when I was doing kid parties, this is how out of the loop I was. These kids would come up to me and go, can you play TikTok songs? What the fuck does that mean? It's a song. It's just a normal song. So I would play a song that was on TikTok. They're like, no, it's TikTok songs. The fuck does that mean? That's when I knew, all right, I'm done with DJing. <laughs> I've moved on. What if in speed three, Jack, which is very unlikely, but Jack and Annie are married. Because remember, sense. there's the whole thing at the end where, you know, I heard that relationships build on traumatic situations yeah. never work. And she's like, guess we'll just have to base it on sex. And like, what if it worked? So that would be erasing the second one. Totally. Because at the beginning yeah, of the second one, she does yes. mention that. Well, I, I think if a third one happened that they would I, erase I would the hope. second one. <laughs> How about she works... You went on a cruise that time and <laughs> fucked that guy, but we got past it. Yeah. How about that she goes off to work as a internet analyst and she uncovers some sort of big plot in the net and it's actually <laughs> speed too. So here's my He idea. was an Ohio State quarterback before he works for the <laughs> he He's still trying to, he's like, he went away. He lives on a, uh, a boat. Yeah. Yeah. And he ends up taking the Washington Sentinels into the playoffs. That would have been a great deleted scene <laughs> yeah. from Speed 2. <laughs> I don't know where you're like, what the fuck is he doing now? My He's boat's like, better. How about this? So the name of the third Speed movie is going to be called Speeds with an S. <laughs> Speeds. 
I think you have to have a terrorism plot, but say if they had like an Elon Musk yeah. type guy who you see is the savior of like space, like, hey, we're going to back to the moon, we're going to Mars, but there's some nefarious shit going on and former LAPD officer Jack Travitt stumbles upon it. And so it's Jack married to Annie. Annie's just off doing her thing. You don't even need to have her in the whole movie. She's just a moral support guy. But what if you have like Harry's son rebonds with Jack and they're off to stop this Elon Musk well, character. Well, you would think that Jack is no longer on the bomb squad. Like no. Clipping wires. He's now a detective. He's retired. Yeah. yeah. Or somebody killed his dog and he's out for revenge. But what if you do like say the terrorist wants to bring the moon to fall onto the <laughs> earth and then Halle Berry in the movie and then it ends up making more money than Moonfall actually did. If this shuttle goes less than 450 miles per hour, <laughs> Mars is going to explode. I think it'd be funny if you get a shot of Keanu Reeves just laying on the ground looking up going, fuck the moon. Yeah. <laughs> so in essence, you're saying that the night that they're at the bar, Harry did go have sex. Yes. <laughs> there you go. And then Harry Jr. There was born. There oh, that'd be perfect. Somebody I do not want anywhere near a bomb. <laughs> David McCall. <laughs> hey, Gary, would you like to get on the bus with me? I have a bomb on it. What's up? It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Yeah. Let me off the bus! <laughs> Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> Say hi to your mother for me. Hi, Harry. There's a bomb on a roller coaster. <laughs> what? There you go. Make it about a theme park. Oh, Make be a great. better Beverly Hills Cop 3. Go to Kennywood. <laughs> logic. Josh, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with uh, your first logic portion? I got to say, uh, the blowing up uh, the steps, yeah. the bus scene. Yes. Uh, that tire's right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the tire would blow. And there's yeah. a fucking engine with gas right. in it. How did it? We're blow? not getting to the engine. <laughs> how did, how did <laughs> it going right to there? The bus would slow down, first of all, over her corpse. Uh, oh, yeah. But let's just, that tire is going to blow. Yeah. And therefore it's going to drop drastically and boom. How would a bomb blow up and Roll not minutes. cause the other bomb to blow up? Exactly. Too? Like yeah. it's so close. That was the other part of it, but I'm like, I got to go with the tire thing. It's yes. so <laughs> weird. Just that bomb's like big enough, I guess maybe to just scare her. It was like a poof, but yeah, so weird. So that scene where he tries to run and catch up, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, but when he tries to run and catch up with the bus, he slaps the window. He says, let me on the bus. That glass wasn't supposed to break. He legit <laughs> broke the window. You better be glad he didn't shatter his hand. Uh, too. So my first one, when Jack Jack and Annie escape from the bus. The bus steers into and collides with a huge jet, which explodes a cargo jet. So we saved the lives of what? 15 to 20 people on the yes. bus. But was there not at least a pilot and crew on that jet? Somebody was driving that jet. Yeah. Somebody's yeah, got to it shuttle was, it. It was taxied. Okay. So okay. Okay. it was being taxied. My thing was the guy would have died. Yes. The guy. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. So somebody there. If you exactly. add, so if you add the dead bus driver, the dead subway operator, Helen, Harry, the SWAT team. I'm pretty sure that the collateral damage far outweighed the number of lives on the. I'm not saying let the people on the bus die. Yeah. But several people die in this movie in the collateral of trying to stop this guy. Yes. It's just super weird to me. So my first logic point would alter this entire movie. What if Jack does not pick up that phone after the bus explodes yeah. at the very beginning when he's getting that bagel? Also, big ups to Howard for finding out the number of that exact payphone and hoping <laughs> yeah. that he actually answers the phone. Howard, like he does, does say at some point, he like planned this for two years yes. or something. But it's he has entirely like too many contingencies. Yeah. Like to know when things don't go wrong, like how to what fix What are some annoying prick just pick? to the phone goes hello you know yeah. just hi there <laughs> i'm hi. so 
Uh, Hold, please. There's a bus on fire. Yeah, just a minute. Josh, you have another one? Several. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The bus jumping the interchange scene. The bus would have absolutely... First of all, you guys said it before, and I said it since I first started watching the movie. The trajectory, when it jumps... There's a lift. The ass of that that bus (laughs) is dropping. Yes. Like, it's going straight up. It's a rear engine bus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For God's sake. People in in Pittsburgh will tell you all the time, they have a, a city bus system called Pat Bus. They constantly get hung up on like hills and the tiniest, like it basically shows you the limitations of what a bus can do. Yeah. yeah. Which is not jump a gap it's, in the highway. It's not, meant to ju- <laughs> yes. it's, it's not meant to be jumped and it's not meant for speed. Yeah, it's no. so, so strange. But the other thing is, there's no shocks on that bus. No. So as soon as that bus, let's say it lands yeah. anywhere normal, it's stopping dead yes. right then and there. Boom, roll credits. Well, plus, yeah. here's well, the thing. And it wouldn't have they landed on the bomb, basically? Yeah. Yes. Because the bomb is under the bus on the axle. Exactly. I have, so, okay, let's, let's go back to when Jack is chasing down the bus. First off, do we know, and maybe I missed it, how does Jack know which city bus it is? He said, says it's bus 2525. He tells him. Howard does say it right before he drops the phone. Okay, so Jack's chasing down the bus. He has his gun on him. Why not shoot out the tires of the bus before it gets to 50? He could have have shot the bus. He could have done anything. He could have shot Sam. He could have just (laughs) shot Sam. One life. He he already shot his partner. Yeah, why not? So why not shoot Sam? The bus stops. Shoot the hostages. But he could have, yeah, he could (laughs) have. Take him out. Shoot everybody. We're done. Shoot the tires. You know what I mean? Like, find a better way to stop the bus. It's just so weird that, and he has this like internal clock, I guess, based on the vehicle he commandeers to know that the bus is already up to 50. Yeah. Because, like, what if he just, like, timed it just, like, wrong? And he was like... Ah, shit. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, because he they literally pull in front of the bus. But at that point, the bus is already ahead of 50. He could have been the reason that the bus yeah. blew up. Howard planned this for at least two years. Under the assumption that he would get caught. Because Harry even brings up the mechanism that he always uses as a yeah. wristwatch. Yes. And it ties him back to his retirement gift he got for yes. Atlanta. Right. Did he want to be found out that it was him? Because that's the only other... I mean, it, give it to Harry that they tracked down this watch. Yeah. It was a gift. There's a lot of this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's quite incredible that he was able to figure out that it was a wristwatch given by the Atlanta PD for retirees. Yeah. What the hell? Alright, Josh. Give us your next. The CCTV. Is that news vent still around? Get those cameras to stop paper. Right. LAPD, I need this unit. Now, you can broadcast your right? Yeah, sure. There's a signal going to that bus. I want you to find it. situation here. We're going to have to take you off the air temporarily. Yeah, sure. Please, sir, yeah. stop taping. Sure. Come on, come on, come on, hurry up. Good, tape off of that. Remember, no big movements. Just look with. That ain't going to be too hard. Tape it. Good. Come on, tape it. It's taping. Run the tape. We have to unload. I, I only have a minute of tape. Do it now. I want you to make a tape and loop it so that it runs over and over, okay? All right, run it. Run it! All right, tape's rolling. Yeah, yeah. how? The range. Makes no sense. Yeah. First of all, the range. Uh, you said you went to school for this. Yeah. Is, is that range? <laughs> He's in downtown LA. Yeah. That bus is on the freeway and then the airport. See, I've is, never is been to Los Angeles. I've never been to Los Angeles. So what is the distance between LAX and downtown Los Angeles? I would just 10 miles. Yeah, like ballpark. I mean, it's okay. out, out of the city, but okay. like. Yeah, with an old CCTV, this probably be running off Betamax. Yeah. And can he really see the details of her? 
hoodie? Yeah. The, like, it's no. probably silver dollar. No. Unless yeah. at some point she stood up and was like, put hey. her shoulder up to the camera. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's super weird. Her whole fit's kind of weird, too, because she has, like, the T-shirt under the sundress. Yeah. It's grunge. Weird. Yeah, she was grunge. <laughs> Big Nirvana fan. And he was a huge grunge fan. In the beginning of the movie, okay, when Payne has the hostages on the elevator, the chief, Mac, he's on the phone, or lieutenant, I guess he is, he's on the phone, hey, we're going to need to get, get that $3 million ready. He's, like, begging someone <laughs> to get the $3 million ready to just cop out and give the guy the money. How many instances in reality or fiction does the bad guy get the ransom money they're asking for? Yeah. Does it ever work? Ever. No, never does. Never, ever is somebody going to be like, all right, they, like maybe D.B. Cooper or something. Yeah. But it's like, but that's a little different scenario. And Payne, doesn't he seem genuinely surprised on the subway that there's a die pack? Oh, big time. He's like yeah. shocked. He worked My on a money. bomb squad, you know? It's like... There's always a die pack. They're not yeah. going to give you clean, unmarked bills. And he had to figure to get retirement like he did. He had to work at least 30 years. So he knows the game. Yes. And that uh, he had so many demands, not yeah. sequential bills and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. You would think oh my. that would be. You'd think. For somebody so smart, he's so dumb. Yeah. He's so stupid. Also, let's talk about the logistics of that elevator saving scene where Jack and Harry go to the very roof of the building, attach yes. a fucking crane <laughs> yes. to it. With, okay, metal they wire. Have, what, it's like 22 minutes or something. Yeah. Until the bomb explodes. And it's just like, let's go out to the roof and just look around. Listen, they <laughs> go up flights of stairs to get to the roof. Use one long metal wire to try to keep this elevator from falling. Of course, the crane fucking yaks its oh, way yeah. right off. How it just stays perfect like it does and is able to maintain the elevator just long enough to get the last woman off. And she has the goddamn audacity to go. My shoe. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm going to go with this one. Sandra Bullock at the end, when she's chained to the pole, she uh, yeah. handcuffed to the oh, pole. Yeah. When it crashes, her arms would be dislocated. <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. would not be like, let's make out. Let's base it on sex. She's a tough She'd be cookie. like, sweet Lord yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like she would absolutely be in so much pain. She's yeah. a dynamo. I have several instances when the bus would have absolutely dropped below 50 miles per hour. Like they, when they have to do that exit, when they're still in like city traffic. Yeah. And they are like literally hitting guardrails and cars, swiping cars, sideswiping things. Would have dropped below 50. Oh, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And like, there's the jump. There's the uh, scene where everyone has to get to one side of the bus so it won't tip. When they maneuver that turn, you would not be able to maintain 50 miles per hour. No, not at that steep of and a plus curve. Plus, the bus drives up on two wheels for a while. You're not going <laughs> 50 plus while you're up on, on two, two wheels. wheels. They would have blown up. There's so many instances. Uh, going back to the jump and something I wanted to mention, the cop only finds out about the gap in the freeway when it's three miles away which is crazy because there's blueprints about this free so at a minimum of 50 miles per hour which the blueprints don't say that there's a gap now the map he max says yeah it's finished on the map it's finished on the map <laughs> yeah. but at a minimum of 50 miles per hour what is that three and a half minutes just about they have three and a half minutes to figure out what we're going to do about this gap and what do they jack kind of kicks it around for what 30 seconds and says we're going to jump it which makes no sense but there are helicopters looking ahead yeah. for them. He police helicopters. Max in a helicopter at some point. They would spot that gap. Like, wouldn't somebody go and scout out the route 
before you would think and relay they, back. They told him to take that part of the highway to begin with to get off of public roads because that's they cleared it for him. Yeah, somebody was just eating a muffin. I think somebody <laughs> somebody was in on it. That's the real truth. When and how did Payne rig the explosive to the subway? Mm. Was it after he was duped, or was it because he anticipated that the LAPD would surround the drop off? Because his plan is money in the garbage can. Yes. To which he digs a tunnel. So that probably was planned. Which nobody heard that. Because uh, even though he's like, I'm not grabbing that cash till all the officers are gone. No fucking way that happens. No. There are 275 cops in plain clothes standing around watching yep. that trash can, regardless of what he thinks. He dug the tunnel. The dumbest logic point is the fact that like we're missing a scene. Annie and Jack kiss at the airport. I'm sure the ambulance wants to look at her. In real life, I'd like to think, even though it would be shitty to treat somebody who went through a traumatic ordeal, the cops would want to probably bring her to the police station to ask her what she knew and think, stuff. Yeah. But somehow we see her traveling on like a bread truck or whatever it is, an FBI vehicle, and she is in a scenario where Payne is able to apprehend her and kidnap her. Yeah. Well, She's in the ambulance. Okay. And so Howard has, in the scene right before it, where he's still in his little room, he has a police officer's okay. uniform. Well, there so you he go. he approaches her with the police officer's uniform. Okay. And says, oh, you know, Jack wants to get you out of safety. Yeah. Okay. Well, that explains way. it because then- and the she wouldn't. She doesn't her. know what he looks like, so exactly, she wouldn't yeah. know. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but it's still. Did he anticipate having like? Because he could just strap a bomb on her, or whatever. But isn't there a bomb on the bus too? On the or not the bus, the, the subway? subway. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know. I'm thinking it had to have been after he found out he was duped. Because you got to figure how much time passes between the bus blowing up at LAX and the subway. Three hours, maybe two hours, maybe. So I but think that's, that's still like time. thinking fast, though. It's yeah, like, still. I have the money, but I didn't win, so therefore, like, yeah, he almost seems like he had a death wish. It's what it because seems he's like. like. I won. I got the money, or at least he thought he got the money. I'm gonna go and put a bomb on this. You know. Yeah, it makes sense. I need to beat Jack, but then he gets his. You know, he lost right. his head. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's all the logic I have. Anybody else? Anything you want to mention? That's all I have. What's the legacy of this movie? Not speed two. <laughs> <laughs> it obviously was a very successful film. Made ten times its budget. It spawned a, an unfortunate sequel. Which, for those we've mentioned the sequel a couple times, what's the what's the gist of the sequel? It's on a cruise ship. There's a terrorist on a cruise ship. Is it just coincidental that she happens to be on it? Yeah. So it's it's pretty bad film overall. Technically, this launched Keanu into superstardom. Yeah. Yeah. And Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Because she wasn't. She I did the she, net right after this, yeah, everybody. Yeah, she did little Shop of Horrors. Like, she didn't do much before. Yeah. This, this was so. the movie for yeah. her. It's a great action movie. It really oh, it stands up. It's awesome. Even though, so there's a disconnect with like modern movies and movies in the past, like where you can look at a movie in the past and be like, well, if they had cell phones, everything would have been solved. But in this movie, they use primitive like cell phones oh, big or time. radio. So it's kind of cool because a cell phone would not have helped anyone in this movie. It would have recorded it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so somebody would have posted it to TikTok. Exactly. TikTok like, I'm on a bus. I'm going to blow up. All right. Stick around for some plucks. Monday, it's back-to-back coach. Two in a row. First, no one's going to stop Hayden from fishing. I'm not some submissive little wimp. Oh, hey, sweetheart. Then another coach with sensitive love tips. Think of Judy as it's like a greased beef. Are you ready for the football? And the L.A. Raiders battle the San Diego Chargers on ABC's Monday Night Football.
Pool Sceners once again. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool Sceners group. You guys want to win some free stuff? Maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two? Let us know. Join today. Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast and TikTok. We're trendy with the kids, y'all, at Pool Scene Pod 1. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now back to Kevin. Final lap, guy. Don't you dare stop at the final lap. You keep circling the track over and over again as long as you stay at 50. Yeah! The final lap! Josh, we want to thank you for joining us. It's always nice to have a, a Youngstowner on. Appreciate you stopping by. Appreciate the suggestion of speed, which oh, we, yeah. we would have got to eventually, but definitely fast-tracked it to 50 miles per hour. Damn straight. Jim, wh- what do you got going on? I would be remiss if I did not mention that we lost another comedy giant yesterday. We lost Gilbert Gottfried, which I never knew he was even sick. Yeah. I had no clue. Talk about a unique comic. Yeah. The voice, the delivery, oh yeah, didn't give a shit who he pissed off, who he offended, didn't matter. Gilbert was a giant. It's like, man, we just lost Gilbert. We lost Bob Saget. Well, how about that picture? It's Gilbert, Bob Saget, and Louis Anderson, Anderson all together. It's and so, they died within, what was it, like three months or six yeah. months? It's so weird. Gilbert, only 67. We're losing these giants left and right now, I, man. See, I thought Gilbert was a lot older because so did I. I spent my whole life, like I remember Gilbert Godfrey being around for my entire life. Yeah. So he seemed like he was a little older. Yeah. yeah he has a, a great documentary, Gilbert. Mm-hmm. I watched it a couple of years ago and and just to see his life and, and his wife and his kids. And it just, he's such a quiet, sweet man. Yeah. It was insane, you know, seeing him on stage and then seeing this aspect of him. Yeah, it was, it was. If you, uh, I mean, comedy fans watch the Aristocrats documentary, it's which really is good. the history of the joke, but stick around and watch all the bonus features. Cause that's where like a lot of the best stuff is like the documentary is just a bunch of comedians telling their version of the classic joke and the, but the bonus credits are like Bob Saget, footage Gilbert Gottfried footage just talking about each other and stuff it's really fun if you guys want to encapsulate in a very short period of time take five minutes out of your day go on to YouTube type in Gilbert Gottfried Hollywood squares for five minutes yeah he was the last square to get a five square win and these idiot contestants like he's giving some bonker answers and they're agreeing with him and he goes you fool yeah and it's just Gilbert Gottfried is Gilbert Gottfried as you can get. Yeah, Take five would, minutes. It's he amazing. He would drag like an entire round out over an episode. Yeah. Because he was just great. And, you know, the silver lining anytime, you know, one of these people passes away is it gives a reason for all of these people to come out and tell the stories about him. Oh, and and like on Twitter, I've seen so many great like Gilbert Gottfried stories about just like him in real life. Yeah. And he wasn't all that different from his no, like character wasn't. on stage or in anything. So it's great. You know, I wish that it wasn't just a, a short thing though because it's like you know we had the bob saget stories for a couple days the gilbert godfrey stories the last couple days you know you wish that those yeah. but it's just it's lately it's crazy it's like everybody is just dropping and dropping it's just so sad it's too much so rest in power gilbert godfrey and uh, we thank you 
I'm going to use the final app as my therapy today. Okay. Because for the past couple of weeks, I've been trying to buy a new car. And let me say, unfortunately, I'm buying a car at the worst time in American history for buying a new car. Yeah, big time. I thought buying a house was stressful because like my realtor would call me when I was at work and like need me to do something like right then and there. And it always like drove me nuts because he'd, he'd like want me to leave work and come sign papers or see a house or whatever it was. And I would drop what I was doing at any given time. So this is sort of like the same thing, except if you were to go look like the, the equivalent would be like, if you were to go look at a house and you show up and it's a vacant lot, or you showed up to look at a blue two story house. And when you get there, it's a red one bedroom slab house. It is just, it is insane. Traditionally, if you were enough of a sucker to give a dealership your phone number, they'd like text you and call you constantly. Never, ever do they'd that. They'd be like, hey, I know you want a truck, but we got a, a, a Vespa here. Like yeah. they would call you seven times a day. But now, you know, like stuff's really crazy because I can't even get anyone to call me back because they have nothing to sell me. They literally like, I'm giving these people my number willingly and they're just not returning my call. Kevin, we got a Fiat if you want it. <laughs> yeah. So used cars now cost as much as new cars. New cars have a market adjustment added. So I've heard some, some different things. Some insiders have told me and some of the salespeople are getting angry because they make a lot of money off selling a used car. Their commissions are highest off a used time. car. Because a lot of times they give you $5,000 for a car and sell it for 30. So they're getting a percentage of that. But they're getting mad because the used cars now cost as much or more than a new one because the dealerships are trying to force you into a lease. And like, there's nothing wrong with a lease. Like if that's yeah, the route you want to go, yeah. you get a smaller payment. But right now, the it's basically even. It's like they're trying to force you into a lease, but it, it's just a, a nightmare scenario. So one of the new vehicles I'm looking at is eight thousand dollars over msrp <laughs> it's ridiculous i told the dealership that's fine because i'm a fucking asshole i said <laughs> like call me if something comes in i'm willing to pay the market adjustment just get me a car and i'm i'm not hearing from them so growing up i didn't have like money to buy the things i wanted like when i was 16 i couldn't go get a car payment you know i didn't have the money i had a job and stuff but it's just like i was making five dollars an hour in the past, anything I may have wanted to buy in general would have been available. I just didn't have the money. So now it's like a role reversal because the money isn't the issue. I have like money in hand. It's just that like anything I want to buy is not available. Yeah. Like I could have a hundred thousand dollars and show shit. up, but if I want something certain and God forbid, I want a certain color or a certain trim package, it's not there. It doesn't exist. That's anything right now. Supply and demand have swapped and Americans are getting bent over for it. Oh, of course we are. And it's, it's collectibles. It's whatever you want. You go to the store, money in hand to buy something and it's, it doesn't exist. Well, that's why me and you have both said when this bubble bursts, it's going to make the depression in 29 look like a Sunday afternoon. I, I mean, I'm glad I have a house. I wish I had a vehicle because I would just, you know, I've basically driven the wheels off my current vehicle. So when I get another vehicle, I'll just keep that for the next 43 years until I'm hopefully fucking dead. At this rate, you're going to get a call. Kevin, we got something. Don't know if you want it. What is that? We got you an RV. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's right. like, it's like the only cars that people want are the ones that are terribly, you know, gas inefficient because gas yeah. is, you know, here four plus dollars a gallon. Other places, it's much as seven dollars a gallon. It is just very, very frustrating. These websites have inventory and it's like one of the vehicles I'm looking at. I went on the website. It said they had eight in stock. I went there when they opened. I got there at open the night before. It said they had eight in stock. I get there at open. 
They have zero. And they were like, we have this used one. I'm like, I don't want the used one. Yeah. I want, and they're like, well, don't trust the website because the, they're like, the website doesn't get updated. Literally right on the website, it says, we update our inventory daily. Yeah. They say that anything that comes in is people are paying for cars in full before they drive them. God. Could you imagine? That's nuts. Sight unseen. Yes. You're asking for a problem. They're just like, I want this. I want to buy it. I'll put the money down. So let me know when it gets here. It's ridiculous. And people are waiting months. And uh, I found one on, on a website and I was like, this is really nice. I like this. And I noticed it's used. Oh. It was, it had 40,000 miles on it. It was three years old. It was $40,000. <laughs> Fuck that. So... I mean, you know, what's crazy, though, if we didn't have a pandemic and everything was normal, that car right there is how much? Twenty two thousand dollars. Maybe even probably even that's even too much used, you know, depreciation, yeah. the mileage on it, three years old, whatever. And the question is, when will things normal out? Who the fuck knows well, at this rate? They're blaming. I'm certain, like I said, put on my tinfoil hat. I'm certain that they're taking advantage of a situation. Of course they are. But I look because I just do recycle, you know, at work, I when I'm supposed to be working, I'm looking at this <laughs> stuff. And uh, but there's BMW says that they don't expect any relief at all from the chip shortage until 2024. Ugh, so much for my Volkswagen, beamer. I think said 23 or 24. I heard on the new Broncos on this year's Broncos. Yep. They're not equipping them with navigation because they will not have the chips. It's like, why am so I paying full price? Pooling, for a yes, exactly. Car. They're pooling features, but that car will be the same price. If not more. Exactly. It should be less. Yes, it should be less, but they're pooling features. Again, this is just, I don't know what point this serves. Uh, again, it's just like my therapy to get it off my chest, but there is, and I know people buying houses are going through the same thing right yeah. now. Again, I'm glad to just have a house and not have to deal with this because it is like a horrendous time to buy a house. And that goes back to like Zillow. They're purchasing houses. They've taken 10 years of people's data. They've looked at people's searches in detail, found out people's preferences. They go in and buy all the houses on a block with one of those houses. They'll pay Okay, this house, 100000 100000 100000 100000 We're going to pay $250,000 for this one house. Yeah. Because then it drives the value of all the of other houses up. And then, they, and then what people are doing, because they're so desperate for houses, they're paying way over asking price. And same will go for fucking NFL quarterbacks now when you pay a scumbag $230 million. You have other teams going, how are we going to be able to afford our quarterback when the market's up for it's, it? It's everything. That's it why is. I said, when the bubble bursts, we are fucked. But the one thing that's for certain is this podcast will continue. <laughs> yes, we will be here in we the ashes. In the ashes of nuclear war, we live through a pandemic, the upcoming world war. We're still having episode out every week. As long as the electricity doesn't cost $900 per episode. Exactly. Then we'll just send it out on cassettes to all of our pool singers out there. Josh, anything coming up? Soccer practice. (laughs) Ready to yell at some scumbag kids. I've beaten some 12-year-old's ass. Absolutely. My my youngest daughter has been talking for a year about how she wants to do cheerleading. That's all she's talking about. I want to do cheerleading. I want to do cheerleading. That's the worst. Yes. So then we, (laughs) she doesn't want to do it, but then my oldest daughter decides, I want to do cheerleading. So we sign her up, pay the money whatever i didn't realize it's four nights a week from six to eight oh, all summer it's ridiculous oh also four days a week for two hours all summer what that's, why does that why to, yeah that's why we got our daughter into sports she's seven like <laughs> why what? does it We're have like, to be yeah. four days a week for two hours because they apparently are learning Perfection. trigonometry on uh, top of of cheerleading it's, yeah, it's ridiculous insane at so. that point just shove them in a karate class or something at that rate shit Stay in shape. Stay physical. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know how Silencia relates to speed, <laughs> but until next week, it's love Ukraine. Silencia. I love-
here for you. Let's not do this.